not doing well i'm doing fine welcome back to another episode of too young for an old talk possibly hopefully your favorite podcast at the moment or all together if not we'll work on that anyways i'm abriana and i'm new what was that dramatic pause for you know i i was hunting you know your um your sales pitch had me I was like, yeah, we should. Oh, be. so I should go into sales. Podcast right now. I I should go into sales yeah, basically think, is what you're saying. I think I think that's something that you could fit in your in your you know in your little bag of tricks. Sounds good <laughs> to me. Actually, that's so funny. Sales deals with the topic that we're going into today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Let mm-hmm. them know the topic. So this 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 week's old talk is going to be all about financial education or you know the lack thereof because certainly haven't gotten that in school yeah they don't they don't teach you this they don't teach you this stuff in school and i figure there's a lot not a lot there's probably stuff that we don't know about yet or that we oh there's definitely stuff we still are not as well versed in yet and it's like why do they not teach you this crap in school like, don't get me wrong, the subjects that we do in school are preparing you for career, supposedly. Looking back on last week's episode, it was preparing you for whatever career you want to have. The long but home. then, these are like life skills that you can't exist as a well functioning, highly effective human being if you do not understand finance and how money works and what you need to be doing with your money when you are attaining money and finding different ways to get money and not necessarily other streams of income but finding ways to invest and create money and and all that stuff i don't even know the lingo because they don't teach you this stuff and from what I've seen, a lot of the time, if you do need to learn this stuff after the fact, like later on in life, because if you're not taught it in school, which we're not, you're either like you're learning it from somebody in your life, hopefully, or somewhere on the Internet, which is still kind of like eh, whatever. Yeah, could be sketchy. You're, you might have to like pay to get this kind of info and be like going to certain workshops and I don't know what else you call it, like uh, workshops that's why i call it it to be getting to be getting the information that like you can't survive without so what what's missing i understand the the reason to as to why our school system is structured the way it is but i in my opinion there needs to be a shift i know in some north american schools they're starting to to teach these things now in high schools and whatnot but like it it really shouldn't have taken this long because all the things that we use like on a daily basis now, credit cards, you know, your debit card, we online bank so much now, especially during the pandemic. You know, the if you don't know how the in and outs go and the little tricks that these companies use to get you to spend more money, you know, make you go over on your credit card and say, oh, yeah, don't worry about it, just use it. And we, we increase the limit, don't worry about going over. Like, 
you know, all those small little things that you won't, you won't, you'll be like, yeah, I could just pay this off at any month, or yeah, I'll pay off at any year, but you don't study that this, you could have, you would owe, you would have, quote unquote, owed them $100, because you just, you know, it's credit, so you don't really owe it once you pay it back, but like, let's say you didn't pay it back, and now all of a sudden, you had $100, now it's $120, because 20% interest, like, that's a quick and a rapid jump, you know, so, I find that as a life skill, it is very important and you don't have to get deep into economics to, to understand finance or to learn finance, I think, especially for yourself. Uh, yeah, not but. not even because I did business in school and accounting is very much so business. <laughs> so as much as it might be math, finance, like looking at that side of things, it is very much related to business so it's not teaching you anything about personal finance like i do not need a balance sheet or a cash flow statement for my life because i don't have a business um oddly enough <laughs> one of the the skills i distinctly remember learning i don't know i don't remember how to do it but like higher purchase and that kind of stuff i remember learning in second form and at that point, my teacher was like, yeah, you know, this is something that you're going to use, actually, you can actually use in real life. But I, th- I find that those kind of skills were far and few in between in some of those classes. Um, for me, obviously, I like I said, I get why the school system is the way it is. I just think that in big 2020 and moving can you forward... Like, can you elaborate on that? You keep, That's the second time you've said that you understand the why the school system? system is the way it is. Because quite frankly, I don't understand. <laughs> Well, so I let, can appreciate. Let's hear how uh, you understand. All right. So for me, with my specific schooling experience, you know, in home economics, I got the skills to be kind of what, somewhat comfortable in the kitchen and cooking things by myself and, you know, following recipes and tweaking recipes and whatnot. Okay. So basic skills like that. Um, in my science classes, I got a similar thing where it's like you're following a very very strict recipe if you mess up by like 0.1 of a gram for some things you're off because i did anal- analy- analytical chemistry so I, I i got i guess a wide berth of skills and i know why so our school system is structured for cxc so a lot of the things kind of guide you towards that like big syllabus eventually and so i understand why they teach certain skills because this is at the end of the day, quote unquote, you go into school to then get these certificates eventually, and that allows you to then take another step. Um, I just think that with the way it's structured, it's so focused on just getting these certificates that there's not much uh, of a thought given to these life skills, like how you know, PE was a problem. At, you know, physical education rates was a problem in schools, so they introduced PE in schools. Now it's not always very efficient or very successful, but that's why it's there. And I think there was a health class before it's PE just to get you thinking about healthy foods and or healthy eating and healthy lifestyles. Uh, and then I would consider that a kind of a life skill. So I think a sim- similarly, financial education or personal finance would, would fall under a similar life skill that isn't really accounted for, but could be. Because you can make that space, you know? I guess. But you don't. Yeah. I think that yes you're receiving these skills and it's going towards completing this regional exam and then from the exam you're going to get this certificate and then 
you sit on do a whole another set of exams and then you get another <laughs> piece of paper um but story i think mind. yeah story of mine too <laughs> but i can't help but think that that's so where it's not coming to me a waste of time oh, no, no just waste of time kind of because it's your choice at the end of the day if you wish to use those skills and if you're gonna pursue things that require you to use those skills and i don't think there's anything wrong with having knowledge that you don't necessarily need per se or you're not using at that particular moment but i just think it's so mind-boggling that something that is basic and essential and everybody needs to have it and use it at some point is not in the school system i get that i what i would add to that though is um think of it if you're a child and your parents got you into like four or five different extracurricular activities let's say you like all four it's possible you might hate all four um you might grow up now so let's say one of them is swimming so your parents got you into it as a child and you know you became a great swimmer you're very comfortable in the water and throughout your life you go to the beach you swim you enjoy it that whole thing on the other hand if your parents never exposed you to that and you never had the opportunity to later on in life you might never get comfortable swimming and you might just you know spend the rest of your life treading water at these you know you sure so i think of it in that kind of sense like the reason we're exposed to so many things is to see which one sticks kind of it's kind of weird it, it is, is because this one kind of needs to stick. Like I yes. think it's one and, of those things right. that think... you can't you can't get around it. At some point in life, according to my father, every time you leave the house, you spend money. Unless it's true. You just no actually because if you're going for a walk and you have your cell phone and you have data on your phone, you're spending money because you have data. So. I like to I always remind myself that, that every single time you leave the house, you are spending money whether you think you are or not. Yeah, there might be one or two cases. Okay, you leave your phone at home, you go for a little walk. You might not be spending money in that moment. No, but think about it. Like, if you think of so it, you uh, can't avoid you spend, it. You spend $100 on shoes. You could, you could only really wear them so much before they get holes. Uh, my, my, my Prestos, I got them on sale for $100. And I wore them a hell of a lot, but they're you know they're getting holes because i use them to run sometimes well most times so you know if you think of it from that perspective if i had these shoes for two years and i got them a hundred dollars i spent fifty dollars a year you could break it down to your point it's like every time i wear these shoes to go exercising i spend in 25 cents not really but like that's how you could also think of it if you want to go that analytical with it i feel like but yeah, yeah. i didn't think of that before but no so true. like to wrap all of that up i'm standing by the fact that like this I don't get why it's... Because Neil seems to understand why it's not in schools, but I don't quite get why it's not in our school system. And it needs to be because it's something that can be very... A very frugal topic because of how sensitive money can be. Because a lot of the time... society has raised us to think about money. Exactly. And thinking about what you can and can't do depending on how much money you have and where the money's coming from and all that kind of stuff 
we've we have expectations on certain things that we think of when that we associate with money so things you long for as a result i think it is like a basic basic thing that it be introduced heavily into the school system somehow because i would business accounting is not enough like personal finance yeah, very different. needs to be a thing and yes we're in a more developed country right now so like, even the other day i learned on tiktok that americans don't have um tap on their cards and really? they uh, yeah and they recently like just are have chip and pin like everybody has chip and pin where i know barbados is now getting to the point where everybody's transferring over to chip and pin but america does not have tap funny enough i got an email from cibc they send me an email maybe every one and a half years because it's like how long since i was out here uh they pre-approved me for a credit card and they said it had tap so i was like that's crazy the fact that yeah so the fact that america doesn't have but it makes sense because if you study about how big that country is and you know how in some areas the level of development isn't is not the same as it is in others right sure that yeah i get what you mean sorry i lost train of thought for a second bottom line like to add on i would like to add on okay add on my understanding (laughs) as to why it's amazing in the school system is because at the at the core base of it I consider our, our schooling, the system to be pretty archaic. I think we we that's just how it was based. Like it's based on the colonial system. Um, but I th- I think that our level of education is great, and you have a lot of great teachers, and they can maximize what you get out of the system. And you know, all in all, on a regional on a world standard, it is definitely up there as one of the best you could get. But it could be better. I agree and I can understand if people disagree with me because school is supposed to prepare you educationally for a career and for a life in a certain career and giving you skills to pursue a career. It's not necessarily supposed to be giving you life skills but then where the hell are you supposed you supposed to get all of your life skills from your parents or from people around you? And on the flip side of that, you don't, some people don't always utilize or are not able to utilize education to whatever extent, whether it's not available to them at that point or otherwise. So, yeah, my bottom line, you could go in and out, in and out, but yeah, it needs to be there and it's not there right now. As a result, I have no idea... I have faint thoughts, but I really don't have a solid <laughs> idea on how I learned about finance and finances, who taught me. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm starting to think that I was just self-taught, <laughs> but I, yeah, if I had to like sum it up, I think it just came from everybody like in my circle and yeah, I think it's just everybody in my close circle, like family, friends, everything, that just inner circle that most people have. I think that's where I got all of my financial knowledge from, as well as the bank. Because, you know, you're going to the bank for one thing and then they just give you information on a couple other things. But, like, it might take you a while to actually get to the bank. Like, mm-hmm. it's definitely a commitment. 
like, like I've it, had a. It feels like it is a commitment, but up here it's so easy now. Not I know, now, but no, but like before COVID, it would be like. It depends because my mom had ATM cards for my brother and I made like she set up accounts for us when we were babies, and then she's held on to the cards for X amount of years, whatever, and then gave me the oh, card. Those cards are iconic. I know <laughs> when so I was. Different. When I was a certain age, she gave me the card. But everybody's not going to have that. Like, everybody doesn't have an account sitting on waiting for them. So at what point do you go into a bank and make an account? What type of of account are you making? How much money? Like, what are the details of the type of account? Are there fees? You have to put in a certain amount of money in it. You get charged every month. All those kind of things. Like, who's telling you that stuff? Because then... What I think about when I think of that is how awkward it can get when you're in a friend group setting or a social setting and people start talking about money or you just you start seeing people with money around you. Because I know in um, secondary school, it was a big thing, like how much money this bodies bring to school, and how much money this <laughs> person's get every week and all that kind of stuff. Um, my parents never used to throw a whole lot of money at me to go to school like as far as they were concerned i was getting lunch from home and and that was it like maybe i could buy lunch once a week and we want to know how much you had that was that was about (laughs) it that was about it and you know my mother was so precise to the point where she would ask me what i was gonna buy for lunch so that she could almost give me exact money for what i was going to buy because she did not just want me to have excess money just running around like a rampant teenager yeah. But then you get in those social settings, and that's that can be so nerve wracking. Like, imagine you have a friend that's just like, yeah, I have my own debit card. I have this type of account. I have this much money in it. Like, oh my gosh, look at me! And you're like, what is, what is a debit card? <laughs> it's funny though because I never really had like conversations that kind of level. I do relate to that kind of scenario. But getting really and truly up until my first year of college, I wasn't super comfortable going to banks or because as a result of college, I went to banks literally like every week for like last how many ever months I was in Barbados and just setting up all these different accounts to to match or going overseas and, you know, making sure that I could send money and vice versa, all that kind of stuff. But now i i feel like i could walk into a bank and it ain't really a problem but back then like three years ago however long it was it was like oh bank uh and i i, I think i'm pretty sure i had a account that my parents set me up to set up accounts so like get cussing to it or whatever mm-hmm. but i don't know what it was but i'm pretty sure the, the bank literally just took all the money out of the account like it wasn't a lot obviously uh, but over the years the fees just like yeah it away i'm pretty sure killed that account yeah. Um, so yeah, like you know, you hear those stories too, and that gives you like a bad. Um, okay, yeah, I shouldn't trust this bank. And I had a friend recently say, like, you know, his parents tell him don't, don't really put his money in the bank. Like, don't trust it. That sort of it. And that kind of just help you raise. Your That's raise a whole. Avoid. I didn't even think of that. Like I've heard that before, but my parents have never explicitly said that to me. But I've heard that about people being afraid of banks. Don't be afraid of credit union, yeah. kids. Actually, today's International Credit Union Day that we're recording this, and I highly suggest that everybody get a credit union account. I have two. Neil Open has... 
Neil has less than two. You're here. You're here. On the on the gram. I've been trying to get him to get one, and he's just taking forever. Open but back to what we were saying. Birthday. Open one for me for my 22nd birthday. So I know it's real. I could open it, but I can't put any money in it. So I don't know if I can actually open it. Because I think <laughs> I think in order to open the account, you have to put money in it. And I can't. I can't afford that right now. The mentality of, yeah, don't trust this thing. Be fearful of it. Like, It makes sense. I was saying because of how history is and because of how marginalized or those are marginalized in society. The bank does not cater to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, to, at the end of the day, it's kind of a privilege to not be fearful of the bank because you you know, like, you you know, ignorance they say is bliss, but if you don't know, it, it, you tend to be fearful of the unknown, right? Um, so for me, really and truly, being comfortable with the bank is kind of like, it, it, it kind of a privilege, and it's not like, oh, this great privilege, but it, at the end of the day, a lot of people don't have that, and they won't yeah. have that unless they f- kind of figure that out or get someone to push them to, to figure it out. But like we are taught to fear it, whereas others are taught to use it and how to use it and how to make it work for them. Um, and that doesn't help us in the long run. You know, you hear stories about back, speaking about back home, you know, you might hear one person go for a loan for their business and they get denied just because of their socioeconomic class or whatever reason that is made up or given, I suppose. Yeah. Another person in a different class or, you know, with a different uh, way of carrying themselves would get passed on this business, even if it's identical. So those kind of stories as well, I think, perpetuate and feed into those kind of fears or like hesitations as to trusting a bank. Um, Every time I go home, I go to the bank because I don't exactly have money sitting in my um, bed at home. So... A box underneath your I, bed? You don't yeah, have one? a mattress. A mattress full of cash. I do not have that. So, because of that, I get I get that exposure to the bank. And before the shutdown, I would go to the banks here relatively frequently just to do regular business and whatnot. So, through those kind of interactions, I've gotten much more comfortable with the bank. And over the last like year and a half, two years, my own personal interest in my own finance and what does it mean and you know figuring out this adulting quote-unquote stuff and you know you some people can ask their parents but your parents might not know everything or they might not know much of it you know it depends on how their own experiences went or if they had anyone they could ask or figure out with um i did have the opportunity to talk to you know some family members to get some advice on it really and truly it was mostly one um, family member, money that I live with, because sometimes we have these random conversations, and you know that's just one of the things that came up. And I was like, oh, you know, what is it? What do these accounts mean? You know, saving. What I don't. What English? Teach me. I don't know. So you know, having those people is also not always something that everyone has, but at least at the banks up here, it's very chill and easy to go and speak to a financial advisor and it's at no cost and you know having that's a benefit to having an account really entitles you to that like you can schedule a, a, a sit down with a financial advisor and figure some things out and you might want to take some things with a grain of salt obviously because you might be hesitant but it it gives you a perspective or it widens the perspective and gives you another understanding um 
from Ben. Mind you know, always if you're skeptical about something, double check it or cross check it. But yeah, I think that having those conversations with people that you know, people that are your seniors that might know, or people that just might know, um, any financial advisors that you can talk to for free, preferably. Um, but always double check anything you're skeptical about. I agree. Do your research. A lot of stuff is on the internet. And I kind of agree. Although banks ultimately want your money, so they're going to... They might sugarcoat some things, but they're going to try to convince you to pursue whatever thing you're supposedly interested in or whatever the case is. Um, In addition to that, I also think that... Yeah, (laughs) do your research because... You might think somebody knows what they're talking about and they might convince you that they know what they're talking about, but in reality, that might not be the case. So do your own research. And the bank is not... I They expect people our age and younger than us to be coming in and asking certain questions. So they're almost like already prepared for that in a way. So don't let that throw you off, I guess. Or don't like be scared that... I don't know how to phrase it. You know what I mean. <laughs> yes, I get what you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. I think that what you're trying to say was don't creep. Not what you're trying to say. I'm saying it in a bit more of a complex way than I would like to say. But don't don't def- you don't get in your head and defeat yourself about it. Like if you have a question, ask it. Um, especially double check things though. Like if it's something that changes every year or if it's something that changed or something that's new because they may not have the most clear information on it so they might think is correct and it might not be um so uh, just double check it but i i was blessed with the opportunity to talk to a financial advisor that was honestly so like down to earth and legit and he was just like this is what it is um so he he would be like yeah you know actually i bank with this other bank i'm like what yeah a lot of them are pretty real people at least up here i really don't even start me on banks and barbados because every time i go home all right i just started myself on banks and barbados every time i go go, home i have to stand in a bloody line every single time at the bank no matter what i go into the bank for the only time i don't stand up in a line is when I just go to the ATM. And even sometimes the ATM is got line. But anytime I need to go in the bank to change information, get a new account, card, whatever the case is, I always stand in a, in a bloody line. And on top of standing, don't get me wrong, because since living in Canada, we've stood up in a lot of lines for some stupid things too. Like just some. I've stood up in a line for seven hours. And I didn't yeah, you were just on before. some dumb stuff that day, that period, that you were, like, on a Canada high, I think. Seven I hours? I don't know how you... And I didn't... And I didn't... I didn't stay. I left the line. I gave up. Um, <sighs> so we've set up... That's, you know what? If you want to hear this story, let me know. We'll, we'll do an episode talking about it. So we've set up in a lot of lines. So I don't really have a problem standing in lines. I don't think Neil does either. That's not the real issue here. The issue um, on top of, yeah, there's a line. Is the customer service? The customer service. It's just. It's not there. It's not. It does not exist. It is just. It's often lackluster. It. 
it's like this is my job because it's my job like I'm not I'm doing this to get paid I'm not doing this to provide a service and as a result I I'm just going to treat you like somebody who's on my way to being paid and I have zero tolerance for that so every time I go to the bank my mother's here a whole rant because I just I go off about the poor service that I receive and especially because customer service is pushed so much up here and it's mm-hmm. if you're trying to get a job in customer service like you have to have those skills or be prepared to develop those skills because it's Minus you just gotta you just gotta be on because you never know what people are coming at you with so because it's pushed so heavily up here for me to go home and see not even see to get treated like like nothing hurts my heart honestly i've had better experiences at the bank back home with like people that are working part-time or for the summer that like in our year or whatever because they're not like you know acting like they're all almighty on earth and i think it's a generational thing (laughs) you know it it really is that's that kind of mentality you see in older generations and it's Um, not even just the boomers i know we like to pick on the boomers a lot but it's actually the generation that we kind of loop into but is that but is at the other end of it because we at the lower end because right after us it goes into millennials um yeah we just they uh, terrible 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 i i took so long to want to record this episode because i i'm not a fan i just i'm not as passionate about this as the other person on this podcast is and as a result i just i'm kind of I'm now starting to get into it more, but all of the past couple of years, I've been neither here nor there about a savings goal, interest rates, investing. <laughs> like, I've been familiar with all of it, but it's never, I've never been like on top of it. Um, I'm making it a priority because I figure, like, oh, I'm just a student. I. I don't want a lot of money anyways, so we're really we're really looking into things like that for. So I've never yeah, up until now where I like for the past year and a half I've been investing in certain things and then from the beginning I've had my savings account because I was as I was telling Neil before, that was the one thing my parents were very adamant about. At least when I moved to Canada, they were like, Yeah, you need a savings account obviously because you can't just same way how I couldn't be a teenager just running well with money at school in secondary school I can't be a almost adult running around with all my money in my checking account because as we said we have tap on our cards up here so you just be tap tap tapping away and then we look at bank balance it's like where'd the, the money, money go away. exactly so yeah those were the main things for me I mean yeah I do not budget mommy please don't listen to this episode (laughs) i (laughs) i mean it's not really a lie but it's kind of a lie because i don't write it out but in my mind and in my bank account i budget in the sense i only let myself spend so much money on certain things 
on a monthly period, monthly basis. But I don't like write it out and I'm not like this much to this, this goes to this. I have it set up that there's so much money in my checkings. And when I go to tap, insert, whatever, and it said gogonks <laughs> and all is gone, that's the end of my money for that period. Do you have it? So you have it set up so as you have the amount of money you want to spend just in that checkings account until it yeah. gets close to yeah that's kind of smart i do not have it set up my my i i would say my checking account still needs quite a bit of work um talk about the what you have before you get into what your checking account all all of my accounts oh shoot Um, i didn't really say what i have but you go first can i yeah i don't know so in canada they have these different um i guess i'll give my my story so when i moved up here for college the, I came a month early to get myself started out and all that kind of stuff and I had to do some testing so that's why I also came really early for school and at the bank my mom and my cousin that I lived with took me and got me to open my checking account and my savings account and I don't believe I had a credit card until maybe a couple months later I'm pretty sure I just had my debit card for quite a while I would say that I got a credit card maybe six, seven, eight months after I moved up here. And the only reason I got it was, I can't remember what was the impetus, but something something I saw or consumed was like, hey, start building your credit history. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do this. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm going to do it. And now I kind of know that, you know, you build your credit history so you can show to any potential loan, loanee or loaner, sorry, hey, this is what I've done over the last four years, every time I pay my bill on time, I don't go over my limit, all that kind of stuff. Or if you have it for a long enough period of time, you can, you can, you can use it to lower interest rates. And if you want to buy a house, they'll say, okay, yeah, don't worry about paying 8%, just pay 6%. And that might not seem like a lot, but that's quite a bit. If you're talking about a, a million dollars, like a house is in Canada, <laughs> but or Toronto, but, um, yeah, so I, I would say from there, I probably got my first investing account. And it was just like a, a TF, well, I really just made TFSA. And I'm not sure if there's any similar account back home, but it's, it's basically a tax-free savings account. Um, and it's not basically, that's what it stands for, tax-free yeah, savings account. I don't want to get too in-depth on it because it can be, there's a lot of different kinds you can get into, but... The concept is you put money in and when it's in there, anything that grows from it or any interest accrued is not taxed uh, until you pull it out. So how that could work is you could just put money in there and then slowly pull it out and get taxed a little bit or you could leave it in there so you retire. Depending on you, because there's different ones. You can have a RSP, which is a Registered Retirement Savings Plan. And that money specifically you can put in there and you can't touch it till you're 65. For the TFSA, you can touch your money, but if you take it out, for example, if my limit for the, you have the limit. So if your limit for the year is $10, if I put in $10 and I pull $10, nothing happens, but I can't put back in 10 more because you already put in $10 already. So it's not, it's not, it's not a up and down, it's cumulative. So if you put in $10, that's it. Like you can't put it anymore for that. So basically the TFSA allows you to put money in and, Every year you have a, a certain limit, you can basically save your limit moving forward. So if I 
had my limit, you know, was ten dollars for the last five years. If I don't ever use it, it's fifty dollars now. And if I put in fifty dollars one year, that's fine. But if I take it out, I can't put it back in because you already put in the fifty dollars, right? You have to wait to the next year. Then it's like, okay, your limit kind of resets, or whatever. But that's what I got to next, and it's basically how I've been saving my money. And I get it, my direct deposit to my checking account. You know, some goes to my savings, some goes to my TFSA, and you can have different accounts in your TFSA. Um, once you don't go over your limit, it's fine. You just have to be very careful with that because it is hard to keep track when you have it split up in different places, but it could be more rewarding depending on who you are and how you want your money to work. Okay, what do I have? I, yeah, I have my debit card, which has my checking account. I have a savings account that has separate like interest rates from normal savings account i don't know how to explain what it is Ooh. but the bank convinced me to get it so cool. yeah cool. so i got it oh i think i know what you have okay and then i, I have a tfsa as well and in my tfsa Ooh. i have mutual funds that are in there that's another thing that you can have so the tfsa is the bigger bracket and then within it you can have different types different. of investments so i have a mutual funds right now um we didn't talk about stocks oh well i, I i'm we, gonna hop back a very important thing to remember as well is like you can literally open up these accounts with ten dollars once there's no like limit like that like you don't, yeah. you don't need to, to be saving ten, twenty thousand dollars at like a hundred dollars. Yeah, because you know I mean? sis, sis does not have that, folks. I don't don't have that. So yeah, ten dollars. Anything, you know, just get the ball rolling. Um you you'll be thanking yourself in five years regardless. Um yes, so alternatively to that, uh more so recently we've gotten into looking at the stock market and kind of seeing what that looks like, especially during this very weird time of COVID. Um, so Because everything went down, 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 down. Yeah, a lot, of, a lot of things were on sale, as I like to say. Uh, that's the mentality <laughs> I've been I've been keeping with because with your mutual funds, you're going to be investing to some degree. Some of it is going to be like buying bonds or whatever, which is pretty steady from the government. Some of it is going to go on the market. So you're going to see fluctuations. The first time I opened my TFSA, it was negative like to a month and a half because I potentially just bought in on a high and then it just went down. Um, but since then, it's, you know, slowly creeped back up. So it really depends on, you know, the, the key thing to remember is that as the market goes up or down, depending on when you buy into that, you might see more down or you might see more up it just depends but for me uh we well recently started looking at the stock market and kind of self-directed investing where is it you just look at things you want to buy yourself instead of doing mutual funds because mutual funds works by the bank has someone take 
whatever money you put in and just split it up into very small parts of stocks. And there's a many different type. When you go to set up your account, they'll, ask, they'll give you like a questionnaire and it'll figure out how much of a risk you're willing to take. You know, how long term or short term do you need these funds? Because if you need them short term, you can't really be having it go negative, like straight from the jump or stay negative kind of thing. Um, so all those kind of things will figure out how much risk you want to take on personally. And that's how the mutual fund works. Whereas in self-directed investing, you literally say, okay, I want to get five of this and I want to get two of this at your own like call. And there's no financial advisor necessarily helping you unless you're paying for that, which I don't have the money for that. <laughs> no, we don't have time for that either. Do the research yourself. There is so much information out there and it's being updated like how you see in the movies and we'll see in media like how often it changes and is being updated like it's real the information is there and from what i found it's been pretty consistent because obviously it will come from different websites and what's not but when i'm looking up a certain um company it's pretty consistent for the most part so yeah the resources are there just do the research yourself and the advice that I was given kind of both of us in a sense was when you're starting invest in something at least one thing that you like or a company that you like and are familiar with and know about and then try to do your own research and find a company that is up and coming almost um, and do your research see if they're looking to increase anytime soon and take a risk and then again it's up to you you can decide how much money you're willing to put into it i do not have the funds for any extreme investments right now i'm really just doing this to get familiar with it and most of it is going to be long term like i don't plan on taking out this money anytime soon unless it's supposed to drop and like i will significantly lose but yeah, it's all, it's not really fun. I want to say it's fun, but it's really not because it's your money. And especially yeah, if you've worked for it, which most people have, like, it's your money. You don't just want to be throwing it around all willy-nilly. But I think this is a great way and possibly the only way to learn this type of stuff is through experience because somebody else might have a different experience and it's not really always fair to base it off of that yeah 100 percent. i mean i believe there are free investing like websites or whatever like td may offer it where if you if you so depending on who you invest if you have to pay you got to pay to use certain investment we've been using um an app that has to do it for free um but basically though TD, if you pay to use them, because I've seen them, they've been ranking, ramping up their advertising. Like, as soon as you go on the app, they talk about their self-directed investing and all that kind of stuff. They send me a couple emails too. But they have this thing where you can trade in a fake stock market, but then it's not the real thing. And I don't know if it's going to mirror the real world, but you can't really um, copy it to a T. So, yeah, the main thing we've been doing is kind of testing the waters and seeing what it's like and how things move because... One, either you just pay attention and you kind of look at it now and you continue to look at it moving forward. Or, you know, you could put your toe in the water and 
and do that and then say okay i tried this it didn't work out or i tried this and it worked out kind of so that's kind of the mentality for that um and And now it's not a bad time (laughs) yeah it's definitely not a bad time because a lot of things you know if not a lot almost everything if trump goes up on stage and says their own thing you're gonna get a discount and that's how we look at it um really you only really lose if the company goes bankrupt or like just cancels and just you know just literally liquefies everything or yeah. if you know you buy it, you sell you, you don't lose if you don't sell because it's still theoretically x and y z value until it bounces back up um but what i would like to add on is that the mutual fund route is definitely much less um active like you don't have to you don't have to look at it either really but like i don't look at myself i find myself looking at the these the like the individual stocks market more often than i would say okay let me see how my tfsc is doing it's just the nature of it is like it might literally go up or down today you don't know right i check my mutual fund roughly once a month if so much yeah, I'm just not here with the finance thing. And that's good. You shouldn't check it too often because then you might break like my heart. Stressing it for no reason. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rolling off of that, which is probably no surprise, uh, do I have any goals in this finance arena? Quite frankly, I do not at the moment. I know I talked about this in the episode where we talked about goal setting and leading off of manifestation I because I didn't set any life goals this year I also didn't set any financial goals because that would have just been grouped under it somehow so I've kind of also being unemployed for a majority of this year was also a huge slap in the face and I was like yeah there's no way that I'm gonna set any goals for myself other than to not spend all of my money I I'm kind of just going with the flow for the remainder of this year. I'll see what happens next year, but I'm just going with the flow. So if anybody else is, like, don't feel bad. If that's what you are doing at this moment and that's what you have to do, just, yeah, take it day by day. I think that's what I tell myself. I'm just trying to tell you what I tell myself. Yeah, I don't have any goals. I think Neil has goals though, so he can share away. Um, yeah, I would say I have financial goals, you know. I think you can look at it from I definitely set yearly goals. Uh not this year, I don't think I really had a a goal that I think I could reach. So uh I kind of push it off to next year, but really and truly I would say you can have a goal where it's like a yearly goal or you can say every month or X amount of my paycheck I want to save. Like you might say I want to save 40% of my paycheck a month. Um, and you know, it's going to be, it's going to take a lot because costs will eat that up quickly, especially if you don't keep track of where things are going. But I found with what I was saying, I've been earlier. If you have it set up so that you pay yourself first and this is a concept you hear all the time. But what I mean when I say that is, literally when you get that you know you make that deposit or you get that direct deposit from your workplace if you, you can have it set up that your money goes to your saving account you know and it could say okay every time like every thursday every two weeks send you could you can just say 
send 20% right here immediately, no matter what. That way you know for sure this cost is taken care of. You may say send 15% to my credit card because your bills are always going to be that much um, or your, I guess your fixed cost will always be that much every year. Sorry, every month. So it's like, okay, that's your light bill taken care of, your water bill taken care of. And that leaves you back with 65%. So what do you do with this, you know? Um, and the the reason I found this very interesting is because if you have it set up that it's moving by itself and you're not worrying about it actively because you know it's already like in motion, whatever you have left back, you don't have to feel guilty using it because you've taken care of all your costs and you've started, you know, you put money into saving, you paid your bill, you know, in, in a perfect world, right? And then you still have a little bit left over. She's like, okay, if I need to use this, I've taken care of my base needs and I put a little sign for myself in the future. I agree with that. I can appreciate that because it gives you that peace of mind knowing that everything else is taken care of. So like this is this is safe money. This is okay for me to move around with. For goals though, I would say if you have like you might you might say I want to save a hundred dollars more every month, and then you can move. If you get to a point where it's like, okay, this is something I can do consistently, and you're not sacrificing your obviously your health or your standard of living, but you know you're finding this wiggle room to say, okay, yeah, this is actually money I can save pretty comfortably. You know, challenge yourself like, okay, I want to save fifty dollars more a month or something like that, and then that allows you to build to a point where you say, okay, this right here, I can do this every month and. Save me two fifty now a, a a month. Like I can now say, okay, I want to save a hundred dollars for the future, and that's just a way to start for me. Um, but I I would say for me at least, it's definitely motivating to see the progress you make and how how it becomes not necessarily easier, but like easier because you've done it and you realize that it's something you're capable of doing. And it works, yeah. I can get down with that. I'm just waiting to get a direct deposit deposit again and no longer I got you. be unemployed. Yeah, stop with that. I The basic recaps or things that I think we should pinpoint from everything we've said is my biggest thing is don't be afraid to ask questions another thing my dad always tells me dads with just these wise facts that i'm just <laughs> he said it so many times that it's just stuck with me and now i'm telling other people it like it's my fact silly me it? no i his thing is always there's no such thing as stupid questions only stupid answers and that's funny because he always used to be the first body to tell me that that's a rhetorical question and all sorts of things like that and be like well you just answered your own question but yeah he stands by the fact that there's no stupid questions only stupid answers so don't be afraid to ask questions i think i know that that's easier said than done to oh just ask questions it's okay but i think that's where a lot of people's fear around finance and money comes from having these unknown things because you've literally never done it before you haven't been taught it so how are you supposed to get the information where are you supposed to learn this from ask questions wherever you feel comfortable don't put yourself in a situation 
where you're asking a stranger about money or anything like that, obviously. But that's my biggest takeaway from all of this. And aside from that, do your own research and feel free to... We haven't done anything thus far that's failed necessarily, so feel free to take from what we've said in terms of the the main things. Oh, I didn't talk about my credit card. I have a credit card too. Oops, Ooh. I forgot to mention that. I have two credit cards actually. Um, wow. I I don't use one of them, so it's okay. Uh, yeah, do take from those main things that we said, which is having that debit card with your checking and savings account, a credit card when you feel comfortable having one and know that you'll be able to pay it off and what's not. Neil has something to say. Yes, what I really need to emphasize, treat your credit card like a debit card because it is your money. Don't treat it like somebody else's money. Use it and pay it off. Use it and pay it off because if you get to a point where you're using your credit card like it's not your money, that's when you can make a mistake in terms of you cannot pay it back off and they can get you and they can hurt you. So use it like it's yours from the start and don't treat it like some magical thing where it's like you, you wave a card and all your problems go away. Just just handle it from the start and don't let it slip. Okay? I agree. So debit with a savings and a checkings. Figure out the type of savings account your bank or the banks that you're thinking of have um, and see which one works best for you. I always go for the one that has zero fees because I don't pay fees. And then I don't think TFSA is a thing in Barbados. If not, I don't know the name because when I first told my parents about it, they were like, what the hell is that? Who let you get that? Why'd you get that? (laughs) They were so dumbfounded by the fact that I went and signed up for this thing that they've never heard of. But I don't know if that's a thing. So other than that, it would just be when you feel comfortable, again, looking to investing. I have no idea how stocks work in Barbados. We can only speak about what we have here and what we're experiencing in Canada. And yeah, that's my two cents. Or just do the old fashioned and have a little jar because I still have a I don't have one here. Yeah, I don't. I just looked around my room. I don't have one here, but I have one in another place. I don't want to disclose <laughs> that information. That's my last set of knowledge. Yeah, you know, thank you for joining us. And all I would like to say is that if you're using that jar, it's a good visual cue. You can see the money in it. Um, it's definitely a, a solid place to start. I definitely had one of those when I was a kid. But yeah, thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a slight switch up from the usual, but I think it was an episode that needed to happen and I was happy to see Abriana suggest we speak about it today. So thank you, Abriana. <laughs> yeah, I've been avoiding this for so long. This has been on the list for months now and I've just been avoiding it, folks. Wow, almost. But we did it. We will be here again next week